Good morning, Mitchell Breen and Harvest Valley. It's great to see you today. Yes. Hey, welcome. It's so good to see your faces, and uh, I hope you've been able to see each other as you've been driving around and seeing uh, the body of Christ out here today. Hey, we're celebrating the risen King, Jesus, today. We're so excited to be together. Hey, there's some guidelines that, guidelines that we have to remember. We have to stay in our cars. We have written permission from the governor to do this. Um, but we have to stay in our cars, and we can't be passing things between cars. So we've been told that in order to continue getting together like this, this is uh, what we need to be doing to stay safe, and this is uh, um, what we've been given from the CDC and the governor's office. So stay in your cars, don't pass anything around, but uh, feel free to wave at each other and honk at each other and be an encouragement in that way. Um, we have um, Harvest Valley Church here with us today, and so uh, Britley is going to be singing in just a moment. Uh, but I just want to invite uh, Kurt Holsworth here um, to pray us into the service. So, Kurt, would you take it over? We would do this. You know, we're dealing with this because of a virus. But we all have a virus that we were born with. And yet the scripture says when Jesus came, it didn't affect him. In fact, he did the opposite. Romans says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be sin offering for us. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Our virus was destroyed by him on the cross. He rose from the dead to give us hope and eternal life, and we're here to celebrate that today in the most unusual way, but with the same kind of enthusiasm that we always had. Our governor has asked us this day to pray, to pray for the needs of our state, but individuals as well, and those who are in harm's way with this virus. And so join me as you bow your heads before the Lord as we pray today. Heavenly Father, you came and you sent your son to condemn sin in this in the flesh for us to destroy the greatest virus that anybody ever had, the virus of sin. We're celebrating that you've made us alive in Christ. Thank you today that we have that hope, and we pray for folk that are struggling today, some that are hurting, some that have lost a job, some that have not been able to go to a funeral because of this problem. We just lift those folks up to you. But we also come with thanksgiving to know that our hope is eternal. No matter what happens, we have an eternal hope, and we thank you for that hope today. And we thank you for everyone who's gathered here in your name to declare the resurrection hope. Bless this service. Encourage each participant. Be with Pastor John as he brings a message. And Father, help us as we celebrate this in a most unusual way with all of our heart and mind and joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kurt. Hey, there's been a long-standing uh, tradition in the church on Easter that when um, someone says, He is risen, everybody says, He is risen indeed. But what we're going to do today is um, when Pastor John or I say, He is risen, we want you to honk your horns in response to say, He is risen indeed. So let's try it. Let's practice here. He is risen. Amen. He is risen. Parents, if you're too embarrassed to do that, you can let your kids go up front. I'm sure they'd be happy to honk the horn. <laughs> I'm going to read now from uh, 
Matthew 28, as we dive into the service together, I'm, I'm pretty excited that uh, we recorded the worship team. We didn't know where things were gonna go. It was a, a, a lot of uncertainty, but uh, we pre-recorded the worship team uh, two weeks ago today. And so we have our own choir and our own band playing along with. So if you're tapping in on your phones, uh, you're seeing um, our recording from a couple of weeks ago and we get to sing along uh, with them and with our own team. And uh, so I was, I'm gonna kick it off here with the word of God. From Matthew 28, starting in the first verse. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. He is risen! Amen! He is risen! If you need the words, they're available on our website and Facebook page. He lives with us. We see the tomb where he lay. See the stone rolled away. He is risen. He is risen. He's alive. See his hands. See his feet. Touch his scars.
risen, he is risen, he's alive. He is risen. Amen. He is risen, he is alive. Let's continue praising and singing to King Jesus. Let's sing King of Kings. And he proved that he is King of Kings when he rose from the dead. He proved it on the, when he rose from the grave. So let's sing King of Kings together.
praise forever to the King of Kings. We sang a new song last week, if you joined us online, um, called The Cross Has the Final Word, and it speaks of Jesus' authority. The cross is what we cling to. Jesus' blood was spilt on the cross, and that blood was shed for our sins. And he didn't die and stay dead like a, like a human being would. He rose. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The work that Jesus did. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final word. Amen. The cross has the
cross. He rose from the dead, proving he is God. Amen. Jesus, thank you for the work that you did, you accomplished. Jesus, thank you for counting it worth it, that our lives were worth it to die and shed your blood. And Jesus, you give us worth by offering us eternal life. God, I pray that you'd open up your word to us and that you'd make it come alive to us as we look into it now. And I just pray for Pastor John that he'd speak your words today. And I pray this in Jesus' holy and perfect and powerful name. Amen. Amen. He's risen. <laughs> that is such a good sound. Hey, I got to tell you, there's a group of people working behind the scenes that have worked to make all this happen. We're so thankful to them. And we're so thankful to God that we can be here today, that I can be here, kind of see your faces through the windshields. And it's such a good, good morning. Um, it's a good morning to, to worship our Savior. You know, um, I was thinking about this. You know, the, the truth is that the grave could not hold Jesus down. And this virus and the weather can't hold us down, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> See, uh, this doesn't bother me. I love being out here like this. This is great. So um, let, me, uh, let me say a word of prayer for us as we get started. God, thank you so much for this Easter morning, for such a beautiful day to worship you, to come together. Uh, even though we're not face-to-face, we're in our vehicles, but we're worshiping together. God, we thank you for that. We pray that you would continue to uh, just guide us through this service. God, help us as we celebrate you, that this would be uh, our sacrifice of praise, would be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I got to tell you, I know it's been tough for some of us. Uh, you're spending a lot of time, a lot of extra time as a family, kind of cooped up in your, in your homes with your kids. But as a pastor, can I just say it's one of the, one of the greatest things I've seen in a long time. Uh, family spending time together is a good thing. And I know some of you are sitting in cars together uh, today watching the service. And so I just want to encourage you with this. If the kids get a little antsy, uh, you know, they get a little uh, unsettled, just say this. Hey, guys, if you distract Pastor John, he's going to have to start the message over, and it's going to take a lot longer to get done. So that might encourage them uh, uh, as they... um as they try to uh, make it through this time together. But I know our children's director, Amy, put out some resources for kids, and so they have some stuff to work on. You know, Resurrection Sunday is an amazing day. We celebrate the resurrection, uh, perhaps the most important um, event in human history. And there was a Sunday school teacher teaching her students about Easter, and she said, listen, as she was telling the story, she said, hey, students, Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. And one of the little girls named Susie spoke up and said, yeah, I know. He only used it for three days. Okay, I know you're laughing. I know you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I titled today's message in this series. I've been preaching throughout this week. I got to share a message on Thursday and then, of course, Good Friday yesterday and then today. And I'm calling it Chain Breaker um, because the truth is that Jesus is the true chain breaker. As I look at life and I look at my own life and the lives of others, I see that oftentimes we're held back in this life. We know that the burden of sin held us all back. As a human race, God said, listen, I'm not going to let my beloved creation be held back by sin. 
I'm not going to allow them to be separated from me for all eternity because of sin. And so he sent Jesus to come and make a way. And so Jesus is the true chain breaker because he broke the control that sin had over our lives. He came to truly set us free. And today we celebrate that in Jesus' name, we can be set free from any stronghold that sin has in our lives. Well, how did this happen? How did it come about that the chains were broken? Well, let me tell you this. It all starts with how our freedom was won. There was a galactic supernatural battle in the heavens. God the Father, who created all things, sat and reigned over all creation. We know the history of the universe says that there was Satan, who was an angel, who thought he wanted to be greater than God. And so he rose up a rebellion in the heavens, and he led a group of angels to uh, fight against God. And of course, he did not win that battle. He was cast out of heaven, down to the earth. And so the devil is allowed to rule and reign in this sphere. And, and we, as human beings, are trapped in the sin that the curse brought. We know that the Bible teaches us that Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, were placed in the Garden of Eden, and they were asked to be obedient to God, to live in that beautiful paradise. And they chose to break God's rule. And so they brought upon them a curse. This galactic battle that, ha- that was going on over uh, between the forces of evil and the forces of good, God said, listen, I'm going to put uh, the final word on this. I'm going to conquer that thing, that power that separates me from my creation. That power was death. The Bible talks to us about physical death and how that entered the world, but also spiritual death entered the world. And so a separation between God and us, his creation, he was not going to stand for. And so how was our freedom won? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul recounts to us the story of how our freedom was won. You know, the scriptures are the word of God. The Bible tells us that all scripture is inspired by God, meaning that God breathed through the authors as they wrote down the words. And so I want to encourage you that these words are the words of God. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 3, if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can or you can just listen as I read. But this is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul shares with us the story of how our freedom was won. What God the Father did to move heaven and earth to ensure that we could be set free. And here's how that story goes. The first thing that Paul shares in this passage is that Jesus died for our sins. You know, Jesus was considered a false Messiah by the religious leaders, and that's why they put him on trial. As I shared the story um, at Good Friday, the story of the crucifixion and how the trials went, Jesus was placed on trial and found guilty on trumped-up charges. Literally, those witnesses that came and alleged that he uh, he was a false Messiah had no real evidence to point to. 
And yet it wasn't just the plan of the devil. It wasn't just the plan of those religious leaders that caused Jesus to die. The reason that he died was because it was God's will. His plan, God's plan for us, was that Jesus would die the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus died to provide forgiveness and payment for sin. It's so important that you understand why this had to happen. Because God is a just God. You and I both know that when wrong happens in our lives, when we are wronged, we want justice. We want it to be made right. That that sense of justice, that desire to see things be made right, that comes from the character of God. He created us with a desire for things to be made right in the world. And so God's requirement of justice had to be met. And that's why Jesus had to die. He sent his son to the earth, the perfect lamb of God, to die for the sins of all of humanity. And so Jesus died for our sins. Secondly, in the story, um, Paul writes this, he was buried Now, it was a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate, and he said, listen, I want to bury Jesus. He's died. And Pilate wasn't sure that he could have died already. He was surprised. And so he sent word to the Roman soldiers that were there at the crucifixion site to ensure that Jesus had died. Over the years, some people have argued that Jesus didn't actually die. He just fainted, or uh, he was in a state of pause where he was unconscious. But the fact is that the Romans were professional killers and they killed Jesus. He died on that cross. And so Joseph of Arimathea took his body down and he placed him in a tomb. It was a cave uh, honed out or, or carved out of the rock. They rolled a large stone in front of the hole, in front of the opening. This stone would have weighed a ton or more. It was huge. There's no way it was very difficult to move. And so they rode a stone in front of the tomb, and then uh, they placed a guard in front of the opening there where the stone was because they'd heard a rumor that Jesus had claimed that he would come back from the dead. And so they wanted to ensure and steal the body. And so they uh, guarded the tomb. He was buried. The next part of the story is the most amazing part. This was Friday when Jesus was buried in the tomb. Saturday, which was the Sabbath, he lay in the grave. Sunday, the Bible tells us, the accounts tell us that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, went to check on the tomb. They were going to place spices and and, uh, aromas on Jesus' body. And they went and found the stone rolled away. And they found an angel there. And he said, your Savior, Jesus, is not here. He's risen. And so, yeah, he's risen. <laughs> he's risen indeed. Listen, uh, uh, and so they, they, Peter and John ran to the tomb. They verified he wasn't there. He was raised on the third day. His body wasn't there, guys. This is so important. It was a bodily resurrection. Some people throughout the years have said, well, it was a metaphysical resurrection. Uh, he appeared in spirit to people or they thought they saw him. But the reality is his body was gone, guys. His body was gone. It wasn't there. The, the, the cloth that he was wrapped in was laying folded on the, on the mat where his body was laid. It was a bodily resurrection. Jesus taught, when asked about the resurrection, or asked about eternity in heaven, he talked about a resurrection. And so Jesus rose from the dead. His body was not there. 
And we say, how in the world can we know this is true? Well, the beauty of this story is it's been recounted and passed down to us for thousands of years. Is there were witnesses that saw him. Peter saw him. Right after he rose, the 12 saw him. 500, this is the most amazing thing. Paul tells us 500 witnesses saw Jesus at the same time following the resurrection. There is no way that could have happened apart from the reality that he was there. And then, of course, the apostles saw him, and then Paul says last. Also tell us that you can question whether a resurrection could happen, and I understand that. Uh, it's unprecedented, unheard of. If there are resurrection stories out there, which there are, there are rumors, there are stories that have been made up. But folks, the way that this went down, it is virtually undeniable. If you look it in the eyes and you see the evidence, eyewitness testimonies recounted the stories, passed down to us in such a way that it's virtually impossible to disprove. Many over the years have just simply denied it out of frustration. They've tried to say all kinds of different manner of things happened. But the truth is the way this story is told, the way it happened, it's the truth. Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection, as I said, is the single most important event in human history. If it's true, Jesus was not only Messiah, but God. His death provided the payment for sins for the entire human race. This payment allows God, the Father, to see our sins as paid for. This is, uh, this is huge. You know, the reality is, guys, that without sacrifice, without sacrifice, salvation cannot be found. During World War II, a young soldier named David Webster of Easy Company of the 101st Airborne wrote his mother these words. Stop worrying about me. I joined the parachutists to fight. I intend to fight. If necessary, I shall die fighting. But don't worry about this because no war can be won without young men dying. These things which are precious, uh, or excuse me, those things which are precious are saved only by sacrifice. Listen, this is so true. What he accounted in this world as a principle is true of our salvation. God the Father looked down upon this earth he saw the human race caught in the binds of sin. And he said, I'm not going to allow it to continue. I'm going to do something. I'm going to move and act. And his great love is what provided Jesus as our Savior. The greatest sacrifice was made so that we could know him. That's how our freedom was won. So what is the way to be set free, you might ask? All right, this great story uh, that has been passed down for years. I've been to Easter services before, Pastor. I've heard this story. What is the way to be set free? Well, I want you to look for a minute in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look in chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing this book as well to the church in Ephesus, and he's describing the process of salvation. How does it happen? It's so important we understand this. As I've shared before and I've said to many during this season of unprecedented time in our world, it has never been more important that you know for sure if you were to die tonight, tomorrow, next month, and you were to stand before God, you would have an answer as to why he should allow you into heaven. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul describes for us how salvation takes place. Starting in verse 8, he says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The first thing Paul mentions in this passage is grace. You know, grace is a gift that you do not deserve. Imagine that you were a half million dollars in debt. You had gone into business, you had borrowed to buy a home, something you were in debt, and you had no way of paying it. We know that many during this season of crisis have lost employment. They're struggling to pay their bills. Imagine that you were a half million dollars in debt and you had no way to pay it off. And someone came to you and they wrote a check for $500,000 and said, here you go. This is so you can pay your debt. And virtually all you had to do to receive it was to take that check out of their hands, take it to the bank, cash it, and apply it to your debt, and your debt would be paid. Guys, this is the reality of how salvation works. This is what God has provided for us, a salvation gift that is free to us. Now, it wasn't free. It cost him everything. We know that, but it's free to us. The reason for that is there's nothing we can do to earn our way to God. We cannot be good enough. We cannot do enough good things. The Bible says that our righteous actions are as filthy rags. They do not measure up to the perfection that God asks from us. And so grace is required, a free gift, getting something that you do not deserve. The second thing that Paul says is he's saved by grace when you believed or by faith. Faith. (laughs) This is all you can do to be saved is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. It's not just a matter of believing. The Bible says that the demons believe in God. And of course, they're not saved. They live in rebellion against him. But when we put our trust in him, when we believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for me, that faith is what it is required to save us. Guys, listen, you don't get to heaven by being a good person. When I was in college, I worked on a ranch in Montana, and there was a fellow that I worked with named Ace, and and we got into some spiritual conversations. And one time, I remember, we got into this idea of what happens when you die, and how do you know you're going to heaven? And Ace said, well, um, here's what I think happens uh, when you die. You go up to heaven, you stand before God, and there's a big scales up there. And all the good you've done in your life goes on one side, the bad on the other, and whichever weighs more determines where you're going. Listen, guys, if that were true, then, of course, good people would be going to heaven, and a lot of people believe that. The problem with that is the Bible tells us, again, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short of it. We do not have the ability to do the good that's required for us to get to heaven. We would have to be perfect. We cannot do it. Faith is what's required. Salvation's not a reward for being better than your neighbor. Okay, it's not a reward for being better than the other people in the car with you this morning. It's not a reward for that. That's not how you get it. So many of us in this part of the world think we're good people. Man, I've been a good person. I've I've been a good citizen. I've taken care of my neighbor. I've done so many good things. Can I tell you something? Being a good person is not going to get you to heaven. That's not what's required when you stand before God, guys. It just isn't. It's not what the scriptures teach us. Paul literally says here that if, if that were the case, then you could, you could boast. You could say, hey, I've been a good person. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than the others around me. And so surely that's why I get to heaven. It's not the case. Salvation comes by grace through faith. It is not something we deserve. It is something God gives to us in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. It comes to us. We access it by faith, which is trusting in him believing that he is who he said he was. 
Three boys gave their definition of faith one morning in Sunday school. One said, faith is, ho- is taking a hold of God. The second said, faith is holding on to God. And the third said, faith is not letting go. Can I tell you that each boy was right? God saves us by grace through faith. It is accessed as we put our trust in him. And we, we, uh, we enter into a relationship with him based on our belief that he is who he said he was. That Jesus died on the cross, he, did, he was buried in the tomb, and he did rise again. The amazing thing that occurs, guys, is when we put our faith in Jesus and we trust in him, the Bible says that God makes us into a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You become a new person when you put your trust in Jesus so that you can live free and actually do the good that God intended for you to do when he created you. You know, God made us to do real good in the world. And we can do that good when we put our trust in him and the Holy Spirit enters our lives and makes us a new creation. Walking in freedom, guys, requires living by the Spirit. Walking in freedom requires living by the Spirit. The book of Galatians, again, the Apostle Paul delves into this idea that what does it mean to walk in the Spirit, to live differently once I put my trust in Jesus. The truth is that Jesus doesn't save us just to give us eternal life. He saves us to come into our lives and to make us a new creation. Galatians 5 says this, starting in verse 1, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. We could just as easily say there, don't get tied up again in slavery to sin. See, God uh, enters our life when we put our trust in him. And his commitment is to walk with us and to be a presence in our life that convicts us and teaches us the truth. We've got to be focused on him and access him. We are made right, guys, we are made right or holy through faith. It is not by adherence to a set of rules. It's not by following a religious code. That is not how we are made right before God. We're made right through faith. Galatians 5, if we move on to verse 5, says this, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. These are requirements of the old law. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. He's saying this, listen, there's a transformation. When you put your trust in Jesus and the Holy Spirit enters you, the Holy Spirit is now going to produce righteousness in you. He's going to change you and make you different. It is his presence and it is following his guidance and teaching and instruction that is going to change and transform your life. We are made right or holy through faith by listening to the Holy Spirit and following his direction. So, we are, let, uh, we are to let the Holy Spirit guide us. Moving on in verse 16 uh, in Galatians chapter 5, it says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul's saying there's this struggle that goes on inside of us. There's a spiritual battle. If you don't believe that, you've not tried to live the Christian life. There is a battle that goes on inside of us, a war for how we're going to live. Listen, God calls you to live a different life. He calls you to live a life that represents him, that is a life lived for him. 
in appreciation and worship for what he's done to save you. And so this transformation needs to take place. But Paul says there's a war going on inside of you. So this is what our sin nature produces. He goes on in verse 19 to say this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that result, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Makes a pretty good list there. We can identify things that our sinful nature produces. When we're living in our flesh and we're not living by the Spirit, this is what our life looks like. These become strongholds, guys, that can hold us back. They hold us back from living in victory from living the righteous life that God calls us to. If we continue to live out of our sinful nature, we'll not experience life in the Spirit. We're not going to experience life as God intended. We will be held back. This happens to us even after we put our trust in Jesus. So these strongholds that can take place and can hold us back in our lives, sexual sins, we can struggle with those. I know people, there's a whole movement today, guys, uh, inside of marriages. People saying, listen, my marriage is getting boring. I need to spice it up. Let's try swinging. Let's try bringing other partners into our, into our marriage. Guys, it's an abomination. It's going to destroy your marriage. God says, no, don't do it. These are the kind of things that we see in our culture. We see this stuff rise up, and we can struggle with them, even ourselves. Creating conflict, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition. You know, uh, uh, some time ago, I did a little study of Satanism and people that worship Satan. You know, it's very interesting that Satan is not interested in getting people to worship him. What he's interested in is getting them to worship themselves. And the result of most of Satanism is self-promotion. Anything that fuels that and grows that in us comes from the enemy. It's a part of our sin nature. Wanting what others have, right? Alcohol abuse. We know that alcohol sales have spiked during this crisis. We kind of laugh about that and joke. You know, it's the only way to make it through is a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, buzzed. Listen, guys, it's not true. We're allowing something into our lives that can take over. And coming out of this, we fully expect a lot more addiction and problems because of this. Because we're playing around with things that can damage us. Listen, the point is this, guys. When we, when we give into our sinful nature, these are the kinds of things that we do. I want to ask you this morning, are you being held back by some of these sin issues? Are you in bondage to some of these sin issues? Here's what the Holy Spirit produces when he is in our life and we're listening to him and following him. This is an emo, the most amazing, uh, one of the most amazing set of verses in all the Bible. This is what it says in Galatians 5, and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In other words, when he's in our lives, this is what comes out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love what he says here. There is no law against these things. In other words, you can do as much of them as you want. These are all good things, guys. They're things that, uh, that bring life to us. When we live this way, we bring life to the people around us, and we experience the joy that God is calling us to, the life that Jesus wants to give us. D.L. Moody is a famous preacher um, from the last century, and he used to preach to large crowds, and there's a school in uh, Chicago named for him. And one day he was speaking to a large audience, and he said, listen, he held up a glass, and he said, how do we get the air out of this glass? And somebody said, well, put a suction on it and suck the air out of it. He said, well, if we did that, it'd probably break the glass, and it wouldn't pull all the air out of it. Um, You know, and so people threw out a couple more ideas, and finally he took a pitcher of water and poured it into the glass. 
And after filling with water, he held it up for everyone to see and said, look, now the air is gone from the glass. How do we get our lives filled with the Spirit? How do we get our lives controlled by the Spirit? We, we um, listen to him. We, we ask for more of his presence. We fan into flame his presence in our lives. What does this look like? Listen, I know a lot of folks have been trying to follow Jesus, and I know in this church, what we do here is um, we'll have, you know, even strings of, of emails and texts that have verses that we send out every day. We'll meet together in small groups to encourage each other to follow Jesus and to keep our eyes on him. We've got to fuel it and fan it and keep that presence of the Holy Spirit and our sensitivity to him growing. That's how we ensure that we're following him and we're moving towards life and we're being set free from the, from the chains that bind us. On this Resurrection Sunday, I want to encourage you to do this. Thank God for the resurrection. Thank Jesus for his sacrifice. And thank the Holy Spirit for the power to do good. The tomb could hold, no, hold him no longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumph, say, Christ arose on Resurrection Day. I want to invite you today. Perhaps you're in a place where uh, you've not put your trust in Jesus and you don't know, if you were to stand before him, you don't know that he would let you into heaven. I want to call you today to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to the death of Jesus on the cross for you. His payment for your sins. And through the power of the resurrection, he wants to offer you life. I want to invite you. I want to plead with you. Don't let another Easter go by. Let this Easter 2020 be the, the Easter that you put your trust in Jesus. Invite him in. Ask him to come in. Ask him to forgive your sins. If you want to say yes to Jesus, we've got some signs out here. Signs up here. I want to invite you to text uh, just to this phone number, 402-370-6030. Just text yes to that number. We've got a pastor on the other end that wants to interact with you, Pastor Ben. Encourage you. Pray with you. If you need some help being set free from some chains that are holding you back, I want to invite you to text to the same number and just say, I want to be set free. Look, we as a church are here to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to make sure that you find life in his name. God wants to do a good work in you. He wants to show you how to live. He wants to bring life back to your life, uh, life back to you. So many of us walk in darkness or have, we struggle with sin, we're set, we're, we're held back by those things that, that have us in bondage. And listen, we all have struggles. The Bible tells us we're going to struggle with sin. But we need to take steps to move out of that. We need to put our trust in Jesus. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to get around others who can encourage us. And so I just want to call you. Make today a day where you get set free. Don't allow yourself to walk in bondage any longer. Move out in faith. Ask Jesus to heal you. Ask him to give you hope. And get around people that encourage you to do that. Um, we're going to be in this quarantine, at least here in Nebraska, for a couple more weeks, right? And so uh, we're going to continue to do these services on the weekends at 9 and 11. We're going to continue to do this. I want to invite you to come back next week. Yes. 
Hey, uh, I've got a series that we're going to start next week. It's going to go for three weeks, so get us through the rest of this quarantine, uh, hopefully. <laughs> it's a series called Stress Less. Now, I want to tell you, I planned this back in January. I had no idea what was coming, but God did. And so we want to give you some encouragement, uh, help get us through this. We know that it's hard in a lot of ways, and yet it's a blessing in a lot of ways. And so uh, we can be working to grow as we move through this uh, through this time. And so come back next week. Uh, be a part of that. Let's continue to meet together. It's so awesome to see this parking lot full. And uh, I encourage you to do that. We'll be here again next week. And uh, and uh, so let's pray together as we, as we close. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us, the way that you bring salvation to our lives, the way that bring hope to us. You didn't leave us dead in our sins, separated from you, but you moved, you acted in love so that we could be saved. Father, I pray for each person listening to this message today, those that will listen online, those that will listen later. Father, I pray that they will take that step to find salvation in you, to put their trust in you. And Father, for those of us that know you, would you help us to live in the power of your spirit? Help us to break free from the chains that bind us so we can live life in your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we close the service. We all start on the outside The outside looking in This is where grace begins We were hungry, we were thirsty With nothing left to give Oh, the shape that we were in And just when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door for us And he said, come to
all the last and all the first all the paupers and the princes all who failed you've been forgiven all who dream and all who suffer all who your faith in Christ today. Um, and we'd love to encourage you and start walking in discipleship with you. Let's walk this road together. We're so excited to see all your faces out here, but I can't wait till I can hear your voices um, and sing together in unity again. I'm just looking so forward to that. This is our Chain Breaker series, so we're going to close with one more song. Um, and yes, it's going to be Chain Breaker as we celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. So let's sing and celebrate how Jesus broke our chains. He is our chain breaker. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, and if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. Sing it. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel
If you can feel it, somebody testify. celebrating and honking and making a noise. We'll see you next weekend. Blessings to you, church. See you later. He is risen.